Alright, welcome everyone. Welcome to my very first episode. I'm so excited. Oh my god, this has been like a long time coming. I've been wanting to、uh, start and record my own podcast for a long time.、Um, I think I've been listening to podcasts for like, who knows, like three or four years now. And I just feel like it's finally the time for me to start. You know, there can be so many things that keep us from starting. But I am here and I am doing it and I'm excited. So let's get started. I thought that today, my very first episode should be、um, about me and my story, right? I want you to get to know. Who I am and where I came from, and how I got to where I am today, and see if you could see yourself in my story, if you could resonate, and if you know from this first episode, you might find out that maybe I'm not someone you want to listen to, someone you don't resonate with, and that's totally fine. But you could also find that you resonate so much with my story and. The struggles and that you want to continue learning and listening to me, right? So I can't wait to get started.、Um, enough with my introductions. I'm going to get started, and I really like to go back to the roots of where I came from. Okay, so yes, I am going to take you all the way back to when I was born, <laughs> because I think that's so important for me personally. So I was born in a refugee camp in Thailand. It was called Ban Vinai, but it's no longer there anymore. And I was born there because my parents were、uh, had fled to Thailand for refuge after the Vietnam War. My parents and my grandparents were being killed、um, due to helping the U.S. in the Vietnam War. So. We had to. My parents had to flee, and that was why I was born. I was、um, born in、um, that refugee camp, and so yeah. Though I honestly don't remember anything from Thailand,、um, so yeah. So I don't remember、um, what it was like at all. But I've seen pictures and I've heard stories. Um, that it was like very poor, right? Like everyone was living in close proximity. Food was very limited, and so yeah. So for about three years, I lived there until my dad was able to get us,、um, I believe, visas to come over to America. So we did、um, with the hard work of my dad. Um, he went through a lot to get us、um, approval and also to just get us safely to、uh, the United States. So very grateful and thankful for that. And so yeah, so that was like kind of、um, where I started, and then I、um, grew up in Stockton, California. And if any of you guys know what Stockton is like, you know that it. Was a rough and still is a rough city, and so. But as a kid, I didn't really know, right? And so I grew up、um, in Stockton,、uh, went to school.、Um, even though I grew up in California, I did not grow up around 
I guess you could say American people, okay? Because、um, I, I guess I totally forgot to tell you guys, I am Hmong. That is my ethnicity、uh, slash race.、Um, but yeah, I am Hmong, and when I came, we came over to the U.S. You know, it's a it's a new country. It's、um, new people, like totally foreign to my parents. So right, so survival was like all that was on their mind. So I grew up around the Hmong bubble, the community. Like we were actually not encouraged to hang out with other races, other people. We were told to stick with our cousins and really just play with them. And so I grew up with my cousins as my friends. And looking back, I realized that I never really learned how to make friends or learned how to socialize. With other people, and looking back,、um, throughout my elementary years, I was very、uh, quiet because not because I was a shy person per se, but it was because I wasn't comfortable speaking English. English was not my first language,、um, is not my first language. I mean, see, I still mess up my words. <laughs>、um, but yeah, I spoke Hmong all the time at home to my parents, to my friends, to my siblings. Like, I just didn't really find a reason or a, like a purpose to speak English.、Um, and so yeah, I was speaking Hmong mostly and hung out with Hmong people and did you know the normal thing Hmong people do like we would have ceremonies on the weekends and we'd go and help our cousins and with the ceremonies and that's really how life was and all I was told and my siblings was that we. That my parents worked very hard to get us to the U.S., and we should、um, respect them by listening to what they say, right, and、um, fulfilling their wishes.、Um, I guess is another way to say it. So I went to school. I got good grades. Like I really took it to heart what my parents wanted. I took it to heart. Like I that was like my purpose for. As long as I could remember as a kid, like my sole purpose was to make my parents happy, and so I did. Had good grades, I did whatever I was told,、um, yeah, and always looking out for others and trying to make everyone around me happy. And、um, if you're listening and you also resonate with this, then you know the life, <laughs> the life of just like constantly like. Making sure everyone around you is okay, right? So that was me.、Um, and let's see, where does that lead me?、Um, I also want to mention that I do have a big family. I have seven siblings.、Um, not like I'm the third oldest, so I have five younger ones.、Um, so I had to take care of my siblings as well. Growing up, we would I would always.、Um, Be playing with my siblings, taking care of them. Like I don't, with both my parents working at one point, we were basically taking care of each other. So,、um, but you know, as a kid, like I don't know, like we, I didn't know any better. I just thought that was normal, right? Everyone else around me was doing that, and so、uh, we were definitely、um, 
in poverty, like we were getting food stamps, and every Christmas, I remember, as a kid, we would go to the government um, uh, place. I like, I see, I don't even remember what it's called. I didn't, I don't know. All I remember is that every Christmas we would get a box or two of Christmas presents from the government, and that was super exciting for us. Like. We got free gifts, and every year we looked forward to it. Right, my parents couldn't afford to buy us gifts outside of that. So every year that was like super exciting. So I grew up poor, like I grew up saving money. Saw my parents saving money, and always telling us that like we don't have money for that, we don't have money for this. Um, and so that really. Um, those words, those beliefs, really got ingrained in me. Like I. So,、uh, it really got ingrained in me, and I definitely grew up being a saver,、uh, a hoarder of money.、Um, I would work very hard, but I would like save everything because my I had a scarcity mindset. Like I was afraid that if I used the money, that money wouldn't come in anymore. So. I'm getting a little bit off topic. <laughs> I can get like all over the place sometimes as a manifesting generator.、Um, yeah, there's so much that I want to share with you guys、um, with this podcast. So I'm sorry if this is the first episode and I'm going all over the place. But let me get get back on track on my story. So, okay, so my story. Yeah, so growing up, that was my childhood, and I was expected to after graduating, I either traditionally Hmong women after high school we would get married, and you know, and then have kids, and then just be a stay at home mom, right?、Um, but fortunately, my dad was like the oddball out; <laughs> he didn't want that for us, and. Um, thank goodness, right? That's something that I like. I have had my times of ups and downs with my dad, but that that's one of the things that he like that I'm very grateful for is that he always encouraged us to go on to higher education because he, for all he knew, that was what was going to make us successful. And so,、um, after high school, there was no marriage talk. It was like you are going to college, like no question. Right, so I applied for college, and by that point, I kind of within me, I felt a calling. Something in me was like, I can't live in this like city anymore. I can't live around these people. Like, there's something more out there that was calling me. And at that time, I was not sure what it was. I just knew that I had to get out. So I applied to schools, colleges that were like outside of Stockton, and、um, it came down to two colleges that I was going to go to. It was the University of Pacific that was located in Stockton, not ideal, and then the other one was、um, Chapman University, which is down in Orange County, six hours away, and so I like. As someone who's never lived outside of,、um, you know, independently and like with no money, I was like scared to go down south. However, because my sister,、uh, my older sister, was 
also going to Chapman actually to for the grad program, and so I felt like divine timing. It was perfect. Like I I saw that as like my opportunity to get out of the house. <laughs> so I did. I did not know what I was going to go major in. No idea. And that's what I did. I said yes. It was a private college. Was gonna I was gonna go into debt, student debt. But at that point, all anything, whatever, I'm getting my words all jumbled up. What mattered to me was not money. Was not like、um, the fear of the unknown. What mattered to me was that there's something out there, and I need to go figure out what was calling me. So I went and I just did it.、Um, I moved with my sister. I lived in the dorms. My sister lived off campus, and I didn't have a car, so I was.、Um, I got a bike, and yeah, like I loved my undergrad. Like there were so many things that happened in there that I will probably go into in another like episode. That's. Not my introduction to me episode,、um, but there were so many growth、um, things that happened. Like I grew a lot. Like I learned so many things. Like I was such a kid back then, but yet I still like learned a lot. I went through a lot. Like I was very courageous.、Um, looking back, like I did things that, you know, I would not have done if I wasn't. You know, out there all alone.、Um, yeah, so I just、um, to give you guys a brief overview. My freshman year, I tried. I was un undeclared as a major. So, because I didn't know what I want, right? Like I was telling you guys earlier, I grew up. My only, the only goal and purpose I had was to make my parents happy. I never once. Really asked myself what I wanted to do, what I liked, and、um, oh, that was my ice machine.、Um, yeah, so I didn't know what I wanted, right? And that's very, very normal for a lot of people. Whether you had parents、um, that were like mine or not, I feel like at that age, like at eighteen, come on, like we are not supposed to know without. A shadow of a doubt, what we want to do, right? And I think that's so, like, wrong. <laughs> I don't really like to use the word right or wrong, but I just think it's so wrong for people to tell these eighteen-year-old, nineteen-year-old children that they need to know what they want to do for the rest of their life. So yeah, that's just my little rant there. But yeah, so I was un- undeclared, and I. But the thing was, I was determined. I was so determined to find my major or something that I was interested in. Right. So I tried like organizations after organizations. I tried so many classes. I tried like all the classes from like business to art to science to philosophy to general education to fitness to you name it. Like whatever. Classes there were, I like tried it, and so I really gave it my all. My first year, I really went full on out. I joined several different、uh, student organizations, and I was really trying to find my place. I think that was what I was trying to do. I was trying to 
find something that would make me feel more at home because I forgot to mention, but Chapman is a predominantly white um, university, which means like a lot of the students that go there are um, Caucasian slash white. Um, and so not a lot of Asians, not a lot of people of color. And for me, that was a shock. Like, I grew up around um, Hmong people, right? Like, it's predominantly Hmong. And also, like, we had a lot of Vietnamese, Cambodian, um, uh, Filipinos, like, um, in my uh, elementary school. So going to college, I was, like, pretty much culture-shocked. And I found it very hard to find friends, um, let alone like just talk to people. As I was sharing with you guys earlier, I didn't really know how to socialize because I didn't have to, right? I didn't have to because my cousins were my friends and we always had something in common. So there was no work that was needed on to like on my end to make friends. So anyway, I found it hard to make friends. I felt very out of place. I felt very lonely. My sister wasn't on campus with me, but um, yeah, I I didn't want to stay at Chapman. Like after my um, halfway through the first year, I was already like ready to go back home. Believe it or not, I was like, but I had that in mind. But I also had the belief and the trust that like I was open to anything anything that was going to keep me at Chapman because I really didn't want to go home, honestly, but like I wasn't going to also be spending a ton of money at that private school while I was hating it, right? We're not liking the experience. So that was to paint a picture for you guys. And so um, an amazing thing that did happen was that I... I applied to be a resident advisor and um, mind you, I rarely talked to my resident advisor and I don't like socializing. I don't like big groups. I'm more of a quiet person still. Um, I'm more introverted. Like I like one-on-one conversations. So when I don't even know if someone pushed me to apply like I don't even remember right now but I applied and I applied as kind of like a last last straw right this is the last attempt that I'm going to make to stay at Chapman University like let me just throw this in universe like if I'm meant to stay here then here here you go right but my belief in the fact that I was going to get a position as a resident advisor at was like maybe 0.01%. Like I had no, this is sad to say, but I had no belief in myself, no confidence, like no shame, but like I had none, no confidence. And, and then I went in for the interview. I did, you know, it was, it was not like a simple one interview. We did like group interviews and then we did one-on-one interviews and you know, the whole thing. And like a few weeks later, I got the letter that I got accepted. And I was like, what? (laughs) Like, 
I could not believe it. I was like, I, I honestly, I thought it was a mistake because I was like, who in the world would see that? Like, would think, right? That I could be a resident advisor, a leader to lead a whole floor of students. Like, so see, just I just want you guys to realize how low of a self esteem and confidence I had at that time. Like at the end of my freshman year, like no confidence. Like I, I couldn't believe it that like I was I got the position and yeah. See, even now talking back, thinking back and telling you guys the story, I'm like in shock, but so grateful because because I got the um, position, I was like, well, I guess that's the answer, universe, you know. But mind you, at that time, I did not believe in the universe. I did not believe in any other superior being, higher power, like. I did not grow up religious. Um, my parents are um, part of um, shamanism, but I, as a child, was very disconnected from that. Like, I didn't participate much. I don't know much. I just I did participate because my, I just did whatever my parents asked me to do, but with no knowledge of what it really was. Um, so yeah, at that time, I did not understand that there was a higher power that was I was co-creating life with. So I just wanted to let you guys know that. Um, so going back to the story, I was like, I guess now that I have the um, the position, I will stay. So, wow, I said I wasn't going to go into the stories of my undergrad, but here I am. Okay, so I just really wanted to paint the picture for you guys. Um, yeah, so I, yeah, so that started my adventure <laughs> of being a resident advisor and I was a resident advisor my sophomore and my junior year and then I went to study abroad um my my junior year actually yeah I studied abroad my junior year and uh, but then when I came back they asked me to go back and fill in a position so very thankful for that as well and then my senior year I was also um a resident advisor so I was very blessed in that way because, um, as you know, or maybe you don't, but lot um, housing dorms at a private university is expensive. So I got that for free, and so um, being a resident advisor, right? Um, so I learned so many things from being a resident advisor that I will not go into today because I needed. I this story is getting a bit long. Um, but that is the thing though, like I do want to let you guys know that I started this podcast because I love telling stories and I talk a lot and Instagram is where I do a lot of my business, but it just doesn't give me enough time to express myself. So here I am. So if you love stories and you enjoy um, listening to um, me talk <laughs> about stories and wisdom and things that I've learned and lessons and just a whole bunch of things, then you are in the right place. Okay, going back to, yeah, so that was my undergrad. And then I graduated with a, uh, with a undergrad in, with a bachelor in integrated educational studies, which is just a general education uh, major study diploma thingy. 
I still didn't know what I wanted to do, but with that、uh, degree, I was on the path to becoming a teacher. And I was like, well, I guess so, right? Because what else am I going to do with my life? Because at that point, I didn't know any other options. So, what I decided to do was I actually decided to go teach abroad. And、um, one of my scholarship、um, advisors actually encouraged me to apply for the Fulbright. Scholarship. So I, again, by that time I was a senior, and still, at as a senior, I did not believe that I could get that scholarship because it's a very competitive scholarship. If you just Google Fulbright scholars, you'll 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 know what I mean.、Um, and I am not a great writer. Like, no, I. That's why I'm doing podcast because I can talk, but I can't write. To save my life, I tried really hard though in college and throughout all my life. But you know, some people are just better at writing than I am, and I accept that, and I'm okay with that.、Um, but I was like, no, I cannot because the scholarship was、um, based on essays, and I was like, I can't write essays. But the scholarship lady,、um, she was so. Sweet, and she really believed in me, and she helped me write the essays, and I got in, and I again, I was like, I cannot believe it. Like I cried when I got the letter saying that I got in, and I was going to go spend a year in Taiwan teaching English. Like it's all paid for. They actually, they're actually paying me extra money to go. So I just felt so, so blessed to have the opportunity. So I did that for a year. Again, that. Story of Taiwan will be probably for another day,、um, another episode. I'm already going on like twenty five plus minutes over here. So if you are still here, thank you for still tuning in, <laughs> and、um, yeah. So let me keep going. So from there, I came back and got my master's in education, and.、Um, And then that was when I met my boyfriend, who I still am with today,、um, almost seven years later.、Um, yeah, so I got my master's and my teaching credential, and then I became a teacher. I, you know, just followed the path that was laid out for me.、Um, when you follow those, you know, certain steps. So I got a, a job at.、Um, A school in Sacramento, so I returned back up north to closer to where my parents are. And the reason why I wanted to go back up north from So SoCal—that's what we call Southern California over here—we call it SoCal. I went back up to NorCal because I wanted to work with Hmong students. I really wanted to be like a role model for them. A positive role model and like an expander to help people really um, also um, keep in touch with their Hmong roots and their the language itself. So that was the sole reason why I decided to come back and teach up north.、Um, unfortunately, the the dual immersion Hmong school that I wanted to get into. Um, didn't have any open positions because the school is pretty small and there was only one teacher per grade level, and so.、Um, but I did meet with the teachers and the principal, and they all, you know, 
uh, liked me and wanted, like, you know, had me in mind if there were ever any open positions. Um, because um, I forgot to mention, but I also have a, an authorized, a bilingual authorization in Hmong so that I can also teach Hmong. Um, so that's why I wanted to work at that dual emotion school. And there's only one in Sacramento. I, I believe there's two now. Um, but I think the other one might be like a charter school. So yeah, so um, I decided I got a, I accepted a job at um, a different school and I taught third grade. And boy, was it different from my experience in Taiwan. So different. Um, I taught third grade and my first year was the hardest year, but also I think the most fulfilling year. Like, isn't that crazy how like the most challenging times that you have when you look back, it's the times, it's those times that give you the most reward. You learn the most, you grow the most, like you just find the beauty in those hard times. And I had such hard students, like if you are not a teacher or have not been a teacher before, you probably won't understand how hard it is to manage a classroom full of students, like 25, 26 students, not just manage them, but actually teach them. Like you're responsible for teaching and educating and instilling in these little bodies, these little brains, knowledge, right? Like so much knowledge and with the pressure of this, of state testing and all these exams that they have to take, like it was so much like as at like some points, like I didn't even have time to teach them like academics. I was teaching them how to emotionally regulate, how to emotionally express their feelings because I did work for a title one school and these kids like um, their parents, they're all from pretty low um, socioeconomic status backgrounds and they struggle at home like their parents um have hard lives and they you know aren't the best at teaching their um their kids um certain skills right and like I totally understand that because that's kind of where I how I grew up too right so I was I have compassion for all my students and even though they'll be screaming at me um, on days, they'll be throwing things at me, like, there'll be chairs thrown across the room, like, my students were fighting, like, I, I get called, um, you know, like, actually, like, bad names, um, inappropriate names, and, yeah, it was definitely an experience, and I was just so happy that I had my principal, my amazing principal, um, that was there to support me and was always on my side. And I had a, an amazing, amazing mentor as well. Um, the best mentor. Like, I really think that she really, like, helped me become, like, the best teacher. Like, m like helped me fulfill my potential, I would say. Um, because I knew I had it within me, but, like, I didn't know how to, exp you know, cultivate that. So loved my mentor, Anna, if you are listening or if you hear this one day, thank you so much. Um, but yeah, like also love the staff. Like 
it was, everything was amazing, right? Like the school was amazing, the principal, the teachers, my mentors, the kids were amazing, even though they were rough, super rough. Like I literally like cry like every other day, or I would not want to come to school to teach because I didn't know what I was doing, right? So that was my experience as a first year teacher. And then I taught a second year. Um, unfortunately, the second year, my principal le- um, left. So we got a new principal. And so, well, I've been talking for a while. <laughs> so excuse me. But yeah, so we got a new principal and things kind of just started changing from there as well. Um, I I started getting a different, like a feeling because I felt like the first year I was so busy surviving, right? Surviving that I didn't have time to really tune into how I was feeling about my job. All I, I was on survival mode. So no time, no space to debate whether this was the job for me or not. But after my first year, I had more space, more mental capacity to really assess whether this was something that I wanted to do long term. And so I definitely started knowing, noticing that like this job wasn't bringing me fulfillment, right? And I started feeling guilty that I was feeling that way. Like I'm sure some of you out there, whoever's listening, like if you're my person, you're my people, you know what I mean. When you start realizing that this is something is not for you anymore and then you start feeling guilty that you feel that way, okay? Like that's crazy, like... It's already bad enough that like we feel a certain way, but then we have to be- feel bad for feeling that way. Like that's just crazy. But anyways, um, yeah, so I was starting to feel it my second year, but I like shrugged it off, right? I was like, it'll be fine, right? And this was due to like, you know, I wanted to make sure I had a stable job, right? Like because that was drilled into me as a kid that like I need a stable job, a secure job to have consistent income so that I'll be safe and okay. So, um, and then my third year came and I was still feeling that, but like even more now, right? Because the thing I believe about how life works is that your soul, your intuition, your higher self, whatever you want to call it, will speak to you of what is in alignment with you, who, like, what you're supposed to be, what you're supposed to do, how you're supposed to um, just show up in the world. And it will speak to you. And I felt like the second year, it started speaking to me. And then the third year, it really started speaking to me, like, just through, like, sensations, feelings that I was having, emotions that was going through my body, of like getting up and not wanting to go to work, like really dreading it, like, you know, and I wasn't like making it up or anything. And like, it wasn't like I wasn't good at my job, right? I was a great teacher. Like, I don't want to brag, but I'm a pretty damn good teacher. And even my mentors, like everyone, my principal, like they all tell me that, right? And so it's not like I wasn't good at my job. It wasn't that it was like hard, like, teaching is very natural to me so it was easy um and so like I couldn't pinpoint what was wrong right like why am I feeling this way so 
Anyway, so I did that. I still, I noticed the nudges. I mean, they're more like kicks at this point. <laughs> I noticed the kicks the third year, um, the pandemic hit. And then I was like, oh, like at the back of my mind, I was a little bit relieved because we were teaching from home. And to me, that was like better, right? Unfortunately for the kids, it's not. But for my own personal um, sanity, it was. And and then, you know, after the pandemic, going on to the fourth year, that was when we had to go back to teaching full-time in person. And that was when I was like really feeling it. I was like, am I really going to do this for another school year, right? And I kid you not, this was like the turning point in my life. Like, I know it's been a while. It's been a long, my story's been like 35 minutes long so far. But here we are at the climax. <laughs> um, the climax is that I decided the day before school started. So if you're not aware, teachers usually have a week or a week and a half before the students come back to train. We go to training and then we get our, we prepare our classrooms, right? So it was the day before the students actually came back that I just went to school that day, got to into my classroom and kind of broke down. I was like, I can't do this anymore. Like, I'm, I think like my, I was going to die. Like, I felt like I was like my soul was literally going to die if I like committed to another year. But I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to say no. I didn't want to disappoint my principal, my vice principal, my other teachers, my third grade team, right? Like so many people pleasing things were coming into my head. Um, and I was just thinking about everyone else who was going to be disappointed. My parents, my family, my relatives, my friends. Like I was just thinking about like, what are they going to think of me? Right. And it was at that point that I was like, <sighs> I either choose them or I choose myself. Right. There's going to come a time in your life where you're going to have to choose yourself. And I'm getting a little emotional still. It's crazy, but sometimes you just have to choose yourself. Okay? And so that's what I did. <laughs> Um, I felt like I actually didn't have a choice because um, I like was so scared. I didn't know how to tell my principal. I didn't know how to tell the people around me. And so the funny thing, like this is a funny story. I'll, I'll tell this story because it's crazy. The thing was that um, I didn't know what to do. So I emailed a guy at Human Resources and I asked him like, hey, what's the process if I want to resign as a teacher, right? And so I sent that off and I, you know, kept preparing the room because at this point I was one feet in, one foot in, one foot out. And I was like, 
like you know doing my thing and then i got the email back from um the guy from hr and i was shocked you would not believe what he wrote back to me so he wrote back to me and he told me oh like i see that you want to like i see that you want to resign okay so just just do this and this and that like i actually don't remember what he said but like then what i remembered was he cc'd my principal and my vice principal and i was like i was shocked i was like i felt this like surge of like heat in my body like i my heart was racing and i was like no like that's not what i meant like i didn't mean for you to like tell my principal and my vice principal that i'm resigning and like oh my god like now what am i gonna do right but in hindsight that was like the universe pushing like like i couldn't decide right like i was like um one foot in one foot out and the universe just pushed me like just there you go new here's your sign and that's how it happened like it's crazy but that's how it happened like i don't know what would have happened if that guy from hr didn't cc my principal i don't know if i would have um like quit my teaching job so yeah so that's what happened and then i uh, my principal came and talked to me my vice principal came to talk to me there were tears and all that stuff and then they told me that actually if i wanted to um not come back to work i can't actually um quit i had to take a leave of absence because if i quit i like i would have to you know it has to do with contract the contract that i signed as a teacher so they said for me to go on a gap a gap year so that's what i did i did the gap year and then at the end of the gap year that was when i officially resigned okay so yeah so that that was like the whole process and after i like took my gap year I like jumped straight into uh, real estate. Um, I became a realtor, uh, not out of pure joy <laughs> or that I loved real estate. It was out of fear and like a scarcity still of like, I need to prove to other people and myself that like I can make it um, even if I'm not a teacher. So I worked super hard trying to learn real estate and trying to sell and like and that eventually four months of that working 12 plus hour days like straight straight to the bottom like i felt like someone just pushed me to the ground and like i just burnt out like full on i've never experienced burnout and this time i was fully burnt out like at first i wasn't sure what it was but after like just a day or two i realized i was burnt out like i would wake up not want to get up and no desire to live <laughs> like and like if you know me or if you've seen me before like I was always very like optimistic and like you know go 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 and like I'm usually the one that's happy and like um, excited for life and I was no longer that person like I was so burnt out like I didn't want to look at my phone I didn't want to have anything to do with anything yeah, I was burnt out. So um, I also quit real estate. And of course, that was also a, another whole fiasco of like shame that I was experiencing because I just quit, um, and quote unquote, quit teaching four months before. And four months later, 
I am quitting real estate too. Like, so just think about like that, right? Like, just failure in a sense that like I tried real estate and then I burnt out and I actually don't like it and now I'm quitting. So I just decided after that that you know like I don't care anymore. Like I need to really find out who I am and what I'm meant to do here on this earth and what life is all about because I'm tired. Of not knowing who I am, I'm tired of living for other people, right? And just being someone that I'm not. And so that really jumpstarted my journey into really diving deep into who I am, right? Uncovering my roots,、um, discovering like my patterns, my beliefs, looking into my family history, my family traumas,、uh, doing lots of healing. Uh, learning about meditation, manifestation, money, mindsets.、Um, man, there's so many things that I learned, and that's why that is why I started this podcast. Because through all of that, I've learned so many things that, like, I just feel like such a different person. I feel and see a life in such a different way that. Like I have to share it. Like I, I think this is my calling. This was what I was meant to do. I am meant to share with the people that I'm meant to share them with. I don't know if that's you or not, but I just know that I have a message and the experience and the drive and the passion and the ambition to help you create a life that is true to you, that is authentic. You don't have to apologize for being you, okay. And if you don't know who you are yet, that's okay too. That's where I started. We all start somewhere. So, I think I am going to leave it. This episode here, it's been a pretty long episode so far for my first episode. It's crazy, but at the same time, it's not.、Um, But yeah, so I will talk more about like my spiritual journey and the things I've learned and just how it will help you because of the way it has helped me, right? So I think that's it for this episode because now you understand my background and where I came from and how I got here.、Um, of course, from the time of my spiritual awakening to now, there's a lot that happened. Um, but that's again, it will slowly unfold as I create more episodes for this podcast. But for now,、um, thank you so much for listening. If you are still here, and、um, you can always connect with me here.、Um, if you found this anything that resonated with you, definitely leave me a review if you would like, or just、um, I. Hang out on Instagram a lot、um, at I am New Vang. You can find me there and send me a comment, send me a DM、um, about what you think about this episode. If you learned anything, if you want to share anything with me, if you want to share your experience with me, because I know how lonely this journey can be, and I want to be the person that you feel comfortable talking to or sharing your experience with. Um, so yeah, 
Thank you for tuning in to my very first episode, and I'm so excited to record another episode for you um, in the next one. But for now, I want to leave you with saying that you are not your circumstances, and that nothing in your past defines who you will become. Okay. So I want to be here to empower you, to inspire you, motivate you, and to really equip you with all the things that you need to create whatever life lights you up, right? Because why else are we on this earth? Why else are we alive? All right. All right. I am going to stop talking now, and I will catch you in the next episode. All right. I'll see you next time.